0: I am Andrew Moll, and I'm here with my dad, Richard Moll, and he just got back from a trip to North Carolina. Yes, sir. What were you doing in North Carolina?
1: I went really because God spoke it it to some prophets. I had a vision uh, that confirmed it. I felt a lot of reluctance. There was a lot of things going on in the schedule, but it seemed like the Lord was confirming that this was his timing. There were some things that were on my heart, had been on my heart for years and don't know that I'd ever processed completely why, um, but I wanted to walk the land that my forefathers owned. Uh, Don't even know how I had discovered that we owned a fair amount of land. And I wanted to find out where that was because the descriptions that you find in the history books, like at the top of this hill, there's a white oak, a small white oak. And I'm like, probably doesn't look like that anymore. And, uh, cause we're talking 300 years ago, but there was enough descriptions that I thought there may be some way to be able to find the properties. And, um, that was one of the things that I felt compelled to do. And God just paved the way amazingly for me to be able to do that. Um, and I had found uh, the history of the mall family and saw that there was a history of slave ownership um we were the largest slave owners in the area as well as um there had been long-term connection with one other family there, there's a lot of interconnections when you look at a family history but this one family in particular for several generations if you were a mall you were going to marry a Briton, and if you were a Briton, you were going to marry a mall it was 50 50 chance it seemed like and there had been um, a divorce. There had been some bad blood and which didn't make sense because there's all this intermarriage, you know, it seems like a lot of closeness in the families, but some bad blood as well. So I felt like the Lord wanted me to connect with a Briton and bridge that gap, but which you're just super vague, had almost no time to plan this trip. And the, the details worked out so amazingly, miraculously. It was kind of mind-blowing day after day.
0: Yeah, we had a staff retreat planned uh, for this last week. And uh, we're all getting ready for staff retreat. And then uh, Coco just says, hey, Andrew, we're not having staff retreat. Your dad's going to North Carolina. And I was like, Whoa, that doesn't surprise me that he's, just, that he's heard from God and he's going there. But tell us more why, what What led you to wanting to go on this trip?
1: I was uh, actually um, had scheduled ministry for myself. You know, with the not hitting the target for Freedom Park, it was huge emotional letdown. There was a lot of other factors going on, and I was having a I was in a tough place personally. And um, so I had gone to Deland, Florida, ministered there, and the Lord just really met me and touched me in in some cool ways, ministered to my heart. And I felt a lot of freedom, but I still had this appointment scheduled. So I was looking forward to it, getting a little bit more ministry to my heart. And the two ladies um, that I had um, scheduled with, Misty Stinson and then a friend of hers, Barbara, um, were going to minister me. And I really kind of picked them because I thought these guys could minister well to my hurting heart. No, they just right off the bat had they had heard the Lord about North Carolina several years ago and were asking me if I had been, and I had not traveled, um, hardly at all, um, since, um, COVID. And because, um, a lot was because of, uh, mom's health. And so I hadn't gone, but I was like, yeah, I still plan to do that sometime. Let's get to ministering to my heart. And she just keeps hearing North Carolina, North Carolina, your destiny is tied to North Carolina, all kind of stuff. And, it was not setting well with me. I was like, this is not what I signed up for. I don't want to process this right now because I don't, I got stuff on the schedule. This is not convenient. And I was telling God I was a little disappointed and kind of feeling it. And, but when I did listen, I saw the name Mull on the land. Now that's how I described it. That's all I would have said until I thought, well, let me, you what i actually saw it was actually the word mull on black it was it was just black but somehow i knew when i was seeing it that it was on land and then i also saw this these grid lines like that what you'd see on a map um I, i wasn't sure even what they were because i couldn't get a vantage point they were too close i i couldn't look get it far enough away to look and see what they were but i knew that they were grid points what the Lord showed me was that that I was actually standing on the land. That's why the grid points were I couldn't get perspective because I was on the land. So I was just seeing an intersection of two points. And I um, the blackness was that there was literal blackness, like stains, um, um, spiritually darkened land, because of some of the sins of my forefathers, which the Lord began to unpack for me very quickly. Like I, I actually was hardly out of Tampa and different details had come together. I had some, my first phone call with someone from North Carolina who was telling me I could stay with them. said, I love finding land and I do this all the time and I would be thrilled to help you find the land. And within 30 minutes, they're like sending me links on my phone. And I was driving up there explaining to someone kind of what I sensed the Lord doing. And I had been through the family history just From one evening until the next morning, I had copied and pasted the text out of a book right into a Word document for all of my ancestors from Christopher Mullen, 1731 to present day. And I had quickly realized, wow, the biggest slave owners in the area, some of the biggest landowners in the area, and it was like the Lord just turned the light bulb on. Your family was generational human traffickers. And I was like, I've never looked at slavery through those eyes. And for for at least several generations, we were the larger slave owners in that region. And it hit like a lightning bolt. I was just still leaving town realizing some of the wealth even had been built by extortion. And realizing that I just, I began to repent. I was driving and I began to repent out loud even before getting to the land. And I felt like a wave of God's presence and his power that I almost pulled off the side of the road because it was so intense. And then, and I was on the phone actually with Coco and she was like, I feel like I just was in a courtroom as a witness to some kind of proceeding. And, and I was like, I had that same, like, almost like, do I turn around and go home? Like, is this done? But it was like, I knew that there was more that the Lord wanted me to do. So.
0: Okay. So there's like a ton to unpack here. So first off, talk to me about hitting the mark with freedom park. You mentioned that for some of our listeners who have no idea what you're talking about, what's freedom park, what's going on with that?
1: Well, this is kind of the story of some of our journey, restoring joy. And, um, we have been ministering to people with a lot of trauma, a lot of brokenness now for years and came to the realization that a lot of people we were ministering to had been um, involved in trafficking in a variety of means had been trafficked. And almost since we began 30 years ago, doing this kind of ministry, we've had people go, is there a place for me to come and stay? And we often see the need for that. People uh, need kind of extended ministry so it's been part of the vision for a long time and we had been given a donation to buy some property. We had purchased a property. we had looked at all different kinds of things and really fell in love with this one place and, um, bought, put a down payment on it and stepped out in faith. This is the time to do this. Spent been a l- large amount of effort over a year trying to raise the funds to be able to pull this off. And, uh, Came to the point where we're like, we're going to have to sell the property in just one year. And so that was devastating. Still, the need is incredible. We've got people lined up wanting to get in. We have people staying in Fifth Wheels here. And um, we even have people staying out at Freedom Park right now. But we can't sustain it with the resources that we have. So that was the discouragement That um, and, and just prayerful. What do we do at this point? Uh, the, we still believe in what God's called us to do, Um, and we're revisiting how that's done and things. But uh, yeah. So you're hitting this point. You're kind of <clears throat> discouraged. You're sad. You're
0: like, I- I'm going to go seek some some healing, some care for my heart after you know pouring everything in for a year, feeling like a vision's dying, and you don't get care. You get go to North Carolina. Yes go repent for the sins of your forefathers go make amends meet i guess who i was supposed to marry the family of the britons (laughs) and and tell us about what happened once you got to north carolina
1: uh well the whole drive up there was pretty surreal because second phone call i got was from a friend who i had reached out to and he called me back and he goes please come and stay with us we got a room for you and i was like well i'm already scheduled to stay here and and he wants to know why i'm coming up so i start to tell him and he's like, starts laughing hysterically. And I'm like, okay, what do you find so funny? And he goes, the lady that ordained me is Hilda Britton. She's a hundred years old. Oh
0: my goodness.
1: And she, um, she is a, would be a contemporary of my grandfather. Like they, the chances of them knowing each other, even though Hickory and Morganton are like next door neighbors, we're still talking, you know, a hundred years ago. You know there wasn't the the types of you know interconnection and travel, but they were both a part of First United Methodist Churches, you know, like in neighboring towns. I cannot imagine that their paths did not cross at some point. But um, my grandfather's passed away. But so that's pretty incredible. Already, I mean, she's a minister. She's a hundred years old, sharp as can be. It's incredible, but. Not only that, she had a healing and deliverance ministry. I didn't hardly have to explain what I was coming to do. The significance of it hit her. Her daughter, who now runs the ministry in her stead, uh, was there. They do conferences annually. Um, we exchange books. There's tears. There's a huge sense of significance. That meeting didn't happen until Friday, um, and I was that was on Tuesday that I was driving up, but. It was, it was one of those, like the whole week was just amazing divine appointment after an amazing divine appointment. But that was one that I knew spiritually was significant. Couldn't comprehend fully, still don't understand fully all of the details. Yeah. But, But first of all, there's such a scriptural foundation for generational curses. And then there's what Christ has done to help us break generational curses. So as he's been uncovering it, he's been giving keys to breaking it
0: what are some testimonies you've seen of generational curses being broken over the land over families any any healings any testimonies you can
1: think of the most powerful ones are when i get to travel overseas or ministering predominantly like among the african-american community i was doing i was repenting of the sins of our forefathers before i even knew that either side of my family owned slaves and both sides of our family did i did not don't think I realized that we were some of the largest slaveholders, um, in that region. I mean, not, not in a state, but, but in that area, it was, it was, um, you know, a decent number. And, um, so it's become more personal over the years, but in, uh, Ghana stood in the gap, repented of the sins of my forefathers. Pastors were falling off of their chairs, wailing, moaning because they had never seen a white man humble himself so so there was healing in the hearts of people walls come down doors open for for them to be able to listen and hear what i have to say because even though things look good on the outside sometimes people are smiling and shaking your hand the wounds of the gen and the generational curses of slavery and and some of those things are horrific but then so some of the miracles were like um They caught fish they hadn't caught in over 40 years in Gano to where you couldn't see the beach. When we were in South Africa and Zambia, and I was doing it everywhere we went within an hour, either an hour before or an hour after, it would pour rain. And it was the worst drought in 30 years. So I have had an incredible expectation that we are going to see some amazing miracles as a result of this. I told the Lord that the week was was fun. I mean, it felt like man, it felt like it belonged in a book, like, like just all the divine appointments, uh, all these details. Of course, the book is going to be worth reading when we see this amazing breakthrough. But, um, but if, if I didn't see a breakthrough, it was so amazing and fun and cool. And, um, just to watch God open up the doors to drive the land that my forefathers had, um, walked on, built their homestead in the 1740s, 1780s, you know, in that time frame, early 1800s, to walk where their graves were. Um, All of these things were incredible.
0: Okay. So tell us some more about the divine appointments. You drove up on Tuesday, right? How was the drive up? Uh,
1: You know, I was fighting a cough. I did not like that, but the Lord sustained my voice the whole day. Um, I believe that, the divine appointments even started before this um, trip because I've recently reconnected with Arthur Burke and i I meet with him on a weekly basis. And, um, and if I was to pick who is one of the top experts on, you know, um, curses on the land, blessings on the land and things like that, um uh, Arthur Burke would be in the short list uh, of some of the top people. So, you know, the Lord had already orchestrated that before orchestrating this meeting. So I was able to get some of his thoughts and feedback and, um, uh, you know, was, was taking some of that wisdom with me, um, all of my experience. And then the divine appointment of someone, the first phone call, someone who can connect me to the land's. Um, the next phone call is someone who can connect me with, um, uh, a a Britain. Uh, I had, um, connected with, uh, African-American mall and, you know, the, like I found malls in my friend requests and there were white malls and African-American malls, but I really felt like I needed to connect with an African-American mall. And sure enough, she... Um, when I get to talk to her, her name's Jocelyn Mull. She is an author. She owns a small publishing company. She um, is ordained minister. She is got her doctorate, and it was just like our credentials lined up so crazy. She's writing a book about human trafficking, um, and she just knew the spirit of God said to take to respond because I'd reached out through Messenger. And she said, as soon as she saw it, she knew that the Lord wanted her to respond. So we have this wonderful conversation and her nephew is like the family historian. And so far I've only um, reached out to him, left a message. I have not talked with him, but um, none of them are actually in that part of North Carolina anymore. They've all moved. I didn't realize that. I thought she was there. She's in California, but um, the Lord's had me stand in the gap already. I'm going to send her a case of my books. I'm um, The Lord was showing me to, to to bless people on those lands, to to bless the land with the works that I had done. So, some of my books and things like that. So, then we um, we went to drive the first property, found the vicinity that I am I, I am the, completely certain. With you could look at the map, and I found, even though it was hard to read the map, it was hard to tell some of the um, details. Um, I could find it and line it up on Google earth with this one area. So we go there when they describe where they built their homestead and stuff, pretty sure we were either on it or very, very close to it. We were, we were on the property hole, but whose property this would have been Christopher mall from the 17 thirties. They landed in, um, Pennsylvania, spent several years there and then came down to, um, to Catawba County. So it was Catawba County, Burke County, Rowan County, Lincoln County is the areas where they owned a lot of land. Um, I drove the perimeter of one property and it wasn't even the biggest. And it incorporated like many city blocks, a church, a cemetery, um, an industrial part of town, all just one of the properties. It even ended up, pretty close to the runway on the um, Hickory airport. But so this first land, we we get there and there's a large loves truck stop with fence all around it. Um, there's another trucking company with a big fence all around it. So next there's his house and then there's the river. And I knew that we had owned the land right inside the crest of that river. There was t- three rivers come together, two rivers come to form a third river. And, uh, so we drive up to the house or we, we think we're driving up to one house. And then we notice the driveway goes back to another house. So we drive back to that house. Nobody answers. And buddy that I'm with makes a phone call to his buddy who runs the water department in that area. And he goes, I know who lives in that house. And he goes, I don't know him well, but my friend is a good friend of his. So he, he, we have a phone number for that guy within like seconds, And I text the guy, uh, but we had to leave because we were going to meet someone else. And um, he was like, I can't wait to hear the story and I want to show you the land. And so we get there and I'm a little bit hesitant because what I'm talking about, prayer walking the land and repenting of the sins of my forefathers can sound, I think it would sound freaky to somebody who have no knowledge.
0: I'm pretty sure it's not currently trending on TikTok, so yeah.
1: I blow me away though. Everybody was like giddy. This guy was was so excited. He was thanking me. He's still messaging me, um, and and he's driving us around on his Polaris the next day. And we are we're, there's a slave house on this property. There is um, the remnants of a barn, it's hard to explain because it is, they used a different type of engineering. Um, the Germans did. They would dig into the side of a hill and then build um, the foundation up from the ground and then uh, put, build the barn on top of all of that. So so you'd have an underground, like cold storage area. Um that's the, almost like a basement, but you could walk straight into it. So, um and and so those, the, it was cut rock that was stacked along the walls, but you could, there, you could see all these different columns. Uh, at this point, however many years later, hundreds of years later, so there's giant trees growing right out of the rock, which would have been what the trusses would have been going across at one time, but there, so there's no wood structure anymore. All you can see are the the, the the rock and it's all that's even covered mostly with dirt, but you could see all of these straight columns of rock and the only way they made sense was human, you know, creation. And, uh, and so he was explaining that to me that someone had explained it to him what that formation was. So it was the remnant of an old barn by the Germans. Well, our family ancestry, they were German. So it was likely the malls that had put that, um, up. So he's driving us all around his property. Um, that was the next day that day when we couldn't get into the property, we went, there was a meeting schedule that I was invited to. We get there and I, I'm just kind of the tag along. This meeting's already planned and someone's like just introducing who I am and why I'm there. and, and uh, so asked me to just give a little explanation and I give the super condensed version of my explanation and these business guys and and kind of spiritual leaders, I'll go, this is why we have come here today. They're like jaws are on the ground and they are asking me more and more details. They are I start opening up about some of the curses that are going on in the city and strongholds and stuff that needs to be broken. And, and that part of their vision, part of you and what they were hoping to discuss is having a farm that is like a property that is um a treatment center a um a a place for people to get healing and all different kind of stuff so they it was three hours of these guys just and and they they said we want to find before you leave we want to schedule another meeting because we want to hear an update on what transpires and i'm just like I, moment by moment, I'm kind of being blown away, like the the fascination everybody has with what I'm coming to do. And pastor in town goes, when you walk that land, please let me know. I want to come with you and I want to walk it too. Um, one of my buddies was, uh, they, they have a, a lake house and he was like, I am so glad you came this week. I was supposed to be under that house putting insulation in. And he goes, this is way better than putting insulation <laughs> in at that house. So, you know, he was there with me most of the time when I was, um, you know, going over these lands and uh, and just making more and more connections all week long.
0: That's amazing. So you were there from Tuesday <clears throat> until Sunday. Yeah. And then you drove back. And are you going back? What's the plan moving forward? Do you feel like resolved? Has the Lord spoken anything else? Like, where do you feel like? What's next?
1: I did feel like my time on this trip was finished, but I also felt like it's, it's not the end. Like, like there's more work that God wants to do. I have an invitation by one group to be, um, an apostolic leader in their church. I had, um, the other group of men that were gathering were like, we feel very strongly that God wants you up in this area. um, and, and wants you to be a part of what we're doing here. And um, So
0: are you moving to North Carolina?
1: I do not believe I am moving to North okay, Carolina. Okay.
0: I told my mom before you left, us, I think there's like a 50-50 chance that he's coming back saying, we're moving to North Carolina. The Lord has called us. And...
1: We do have a number of friends that are moving up there. And that's kind of been interesting. And we we have a lot of places that we can go and stay. And so I believe that we're going to be, and, and it was amazing. Well, also on the drive up there, I get a call from Philip and I, uh, your brother and find out that they are planning to go to North Carolina. They'll be a part of JARS um, in Waxhaw, North Carolina, and possibly live in the Charlotte area, which we're just outside of the Charlotte area. It's less than a dr- an hour's drive. And so mom was like, well, we could have... Uh, summer home up there and a winter home down here (laughs) and uh
0: snowbirds already
1: yeah yeah so i i do see making some regular trips we i used to go up there pretty regularly and the invitations have always been there so
0: and now you got mom who's 100 percent on board to go yes go see her kids up in north carolina okay so that's exciting what else has happened in the last week with it within this anything else outside of just this trip that god's been speaking to you showing you going on with freedom park maybe where do you feel like that's at now
1: i really believe that the lord is um it, that it's not a push 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 time it's a time of of drawing near the lord um in the middle of a fast 20 however many days today is uh, into the fast.
0: Have you and been also fasting shaving during this time?
1: I have fasted shaving. <laughs> so that's the beard, or I don't know if you can call it a beard yet, but it, you can pull it. So it's,
0: it's a beard. It's, it's definitely it's, a beard. It's yeah. more than I could ever grow. So,
1: <laughs> so um, the, the, we're going to actually go spend um, the latter part of this week and next week connected to um, another ministry that is, has got a different model, um, that seems way more su- self-sustainable. Um, so interested in that, looking at that, the group out of North Carolina is wanting to make a trip down to Dunklin Memorial, which I'm pretty familiar with Dunklin Memorial. They're down around Lake Okeechobee. And it is a pretty large, um, farm that is run and, and it's a treatment center, spirit filled, um, anointed treatment center. So, um, I may connect with them on that trip.
0: Um, Okay. All right. Well, I got a couple questions for you now. So we talked about generational curses and uh, I've heard you preach on generational curses before. Um, I think some people that are listening aren't sure what, you know, okay. Are you breaking generational curses from 300 years ago? How many generations back does that go?
1: Um, Great question. The, um, in the story of, Excuse me. In the story of, um, there was a curse on the land. There was a famine, and David um, was asking the Lord, "Why is this curse on the land?" And and there was a curse on the land because of the sins of Saul, the previous king. But it all goes all the way back to Joshua. The reason that there were, had been a covenant on the land um, was hundreds and hundreds of years before and when that covenant was violated in the present it enacted a curse that um that you know it w- would not have been enacted if the covenant had never been broken there was also the story of jericho joshua cursed the land of jericho and said whoever tries to rebuild the city will do so at the expense of their firstborn and uh and their last born. I don't remember exactly the the details. I think that curse was enacted. Like it, it happened 550 years after Joshua spoke it. So it is, um, a, a curse can be on the land, uh, for a long time. And, uh, same with blessings. The, the land is amazing. It's so rich and so blessed in many ways. Um, although one guy was explaining to me how it had been over farmed and, um, got to the last thing I did. I think it was another divine appointment in a very interesting ways. I didn't even put all the pieces together till I am right now in my head, but this guy came up to me at church. I administered on Sunday morning and really taught about breaking generational curses was kind of sharing the story of why I was there and it really impacted people. A lot of people came forward, um, kind of making connections themselves in, um it can curse someone's finances i know for myself we went from generations of vast landholders um slave owners to the last four generations that i know of nobody um had much to pass on to their children and i want that broken i'd love to pass on I, I believe that there's been a rich spiritual her- heritage and that's trumps everything else and i'm not i'm not Um, lamenting a lack of money. I mean, I believe I got so much from my parents, but I want to be able to leave lands. I want to be able to set my children up um, better. Um, I believe that the Lord has given me incredible resources, world-class resources, but they have never reached their full potential. So I'm like, if God can unpack something that has kept some of those things hidden in my lifetime and and bless and expose them beyond my human capacity then that that kind of stuff would be i think tangible fruit that would be amazing like to even I was like going god I don't want land just for the sake of having land and to have more than other people but I want land to be able to steward the land well um I even wondered because you guys buying this house and some of the blessings attached to it I'm like going are there blessings that are coming already, you know, that my children get to reap the benefit of. Um, But just a part of the vision has been, you know, we have this less than half an acre at our house, but man, we got so many plants growing on it, food plants. Um, But to be able to have cattle, to be able to have chicken, to be able to have some of those things for the ministry to, for the, that's what we had at freedom park. We had some cows we've had, Um, huge chicken coop. We hadn't had the chickens yet, but that was all part of, that's what we wanted in the land for the land to be able to sustain the ministry for um, us to be able to have resources. Um, So, uh, you know, I'm like, God, to, to restore some of that, man, the beauty of some of that land is incredible. The vistas, it's the rolling hills of North Carolina. You could see Um, table rock from one of the properties Um, you could see the the one to have a river boarding two sides. Actually that was the two sides where the homestead was. When I looked at the 620 acres, it incorporated all three of these rivers Mm -hmm. and creeks and they've got like state parks um, on this property and they pick state parks because of how beautiful the land is. So,
0: that's pretty cool. Okay, so we're gonna bring it back to generational curses. So, um, you're saying that you believe generational curses? Do they on a person? Do they last three to four generations, or do they last longer for people, or is it different for land versus for people?
1: Um, I believe that um, as a as a whole, the, the the curses are limited in their scope because, um, you know, the the, the, the Intention was the blessing to flow from generation to generation to generation. That's why God established the generational flow, that concept. And so I believe we can receive and access blessings that come down the generation line. At the same time, I believe God kind of limits the curses. But I think once a curse is put on the land, it, it can be affecting the land until someone comes along and breaks it. So it's not, doesn't just disappear. I believe the land's still carrying a blessing in it, but it was interesting even getting the tour of the one property that had been homesteaded. There's a lot of history there and and 99.999%, I don't know. But what I do know is some intense things that happened there. And it would seem like there's a spirit of death on the land because the father-in-law um, of the man that was driving us around had died on the land, um, right at the, the meeting point of those three rivers, he had been bush hogging the property and had some kind of seizure and drove right into the water and the tractor turned over on him. Oh wow. And, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there going, God, I want to break any death curse on the land. Um, there was a scalping that took place, a mall who was scalped, um, on that land um, and the their child was scalped, both died. Um, the wife had been out driving the cows back in for the night and um the um she saw the, the the cows just turned and bolted past her, and she ducked into the woods, thinking there was some kind of animal that had spooked them and saw the fire coming from her own house. Mm and um, saw the Indians dancing around the house and ran tar- terrified to a neighbor's house. They boarded up the house and headed into the woods, got into a cave that they knew about and waited the night there when they went the next morning. The baby was alive, but had been scalped and died within a couple of days, but the husband was already dead. All of these kind of things. And I mean, I could go on, he was telling us stories for hours and, and I had read some of those stories Um, I'm like, you know, what I did know could open up doorways for curses. What we don't know. um, And that's where the Holy Spirit showed me that, that some of the land was gained righteously. It was, um, granted by the King because America wasn't even a nation when they were getting the grand land grants, but the, um, um, yeah, some of it, some of the other properties, not that one had actually been gained by extortion. So, yeah.
0: So how many, so how, how much of our history of our family history, were you able to track down generation to generation? Like, can you, do you know every, I know everybody. Okay. I
1: know who they married, who their children were. Um, it's
0: all the way back to Christopher. That's his name. You said,
1: uh, actually I, one of the books that I got had our German ancestors, um, before and, they came over. Yeah, the, wow. the just the one generation the the parents that Christopher and, and I had some details about them. That was pretty cool because I had never had that before. So, and that was a persecuted area um of Germany. And So uh,
0: were they Christians?
1: They were Lutheran, um which was the predominant. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, what was what are some interesting fun facts you learned about our family then? Just like random. Oh,
1: things. one of the wild ones. Um, Jacob mall is the one that when I, I walked over his grave, I started just crying very hard crying. And it, I had, I had seen the most about him. He was, uh, I forget the exact wording. It was something like the most flamboyant of all of the malls. He was one of the youngest sons of Peter mall. Peter mall was the eighth sheriff. That was also pretty cool. Um, him being the eighth sheriff, he built a lot of land wealth. Um, and, um, but his son, Jacob was married to Jemima Mull. Jemima? Jemima Britton Mull. So she, he, and he divorced her. She was 10 years older than him and, uh, he divorced her. He had, I think like four children with her and then went on to have more children with Mary Van Horn. Mary Van Horn was at least 20 years younger than him. I have the ages. It was like a 45-year-old marrying either a 20 or a 25-year-old. Oh wow. And I was like, at first I was like, I mean, that was bothered me, and it was part of what I repented of for, for um the Germ for the Britons. But then going to marry someone that much younger was kind of disturbing. Um and Tied with owning slaves, tied with the daughters going with um, mom. I was like going, I wonder what's the unwritten story about that because um, the daughters left, you know, went with mom and he married someone that much younger, probably the age, maybe even younger than some of his own daughters or, or children at least. So, um,
0: something that's more common now, but it was not very common. 20,
1: today. 25 years. No, somebody, a 45 year old marrying a 20, 25 year old is, I don't think too highly looked upon in too many places. So, yeah. But yeah, everything from divorce to, um, someone marrying that age, um, was a little bit disturbing and.
0: Okay. What's a funny thing that you saw or read about? Mm, funny something slightly more lighthearted than scalping
1: Ah, uh, man
0: i know i don't know you didn't find it this
1: week but the, the, the things to me that were the most encouraging when i was talking to my dad um and remembering some of his history and then my grandfather um there was a lot of redemptive things and there are as best I can tell, there's like no scandal for those generations. Now, my my great-grandfather, there's a lot more mystery. And he was a hard man. And I, I can't remember all the descriptive words, but my dad knew very little of his grandfather. Mm. Um, but my grandfather, see, the coolest stories were some that I didn't remember if I'd ever heard him. I'd always known that he grew up in a pool hall his grand his dad owned a pool hall and possibly bowling alley don't know those details for sure but whenever a a pool shark would come into town my grandfather would go and uh, win people's money back for them and give them their money back so that was pretty cool he was like so good at pool that um and pretty confident that he would he would just pick up a game and go you know can i play and start winning their money back and then give them their money back. And, um, he was, I did not know this, um, if I had ever heard it before, but he was, he bowled some perfect games in his lifetime.
0: I had heard that.
1: Yeah. And, um, so that was pretty cool. He, um, yeah, cause I, I just remembered him being the person who hardly said a word. My grandmother talked for everybody <laughs> and, um, and he was just quiet most of the time. So. He, and he didn't become a Christian until his eighties, but he was involved in church his whole life. He was always the pastor's right hand man, and but he had never understood the gospel till he was in his eighties, and he discovered it on his own. He had a Bible and started reading the Roman Road, and understood the gospel for the first time.
0: That's crazy. You can go to church your whole life and not realize. Yeah,
1: it. yeah. And then you know, got my some of my dad's history again, and and. My, I mean, I've always looked up to my dad. He's like been one of my good friends. He um was kind of my hero growing up. And but for years, years ago, we uncovered like he made so much money, and for and for the companies that he worked for, he'd take companies that were losing money and turn them into making three million dollars. You know, in a matter of a year, two years. I mean, it was. It was incredible the the impact that he had on these companies, but again, he has n- nothing to show for it. So it, I'm like going, Lord, I want to break these curses and have it even affect my dad, even at his age, like that that things would open up and and blessings would begin to flow. So, Amen. <clears throat> for you guys, for Amen. Our grandkids. Yeah, I'm,
0: I'm down for all that inheriting land thing from so you. Yeah, that, that sounds good to me. Yeah. So, all right. What, what's something you want to leave our listeners with about, about what, what you've experienced this past week?
1: Um, you know, God's more about blessing than curses. Yeah. And that's why Christ came was to destroy the curse. Amen. And, and the, the reason, I actually found it such a privilege and a joy to, because I felt like the Lord was revealing things and uncovering things that were for our benefit. It's not like I never felt beat up or or anything like that. I felt just the hand of God. You
0: were experiencing God's love through all of this. You weren't like doing this out of fear or, or looking for you know shadows and looking under rocks. You were like no. God was leading. God was speaking. You weren't even looking for this. This yeah. was just
1: there was something had been there for years about like I felt like the need to walk the land, but you know it wasn't until pushed and and then going man to have a week. I mean, I didn't have a week, but like a God ordained given week to go and really it felt like walking with God. And so, you know, it's, it's, I will probably write about this. I will probably, um, I've produced a video every day. I I shot like a video log, so I'm going to, I'm going to, um, pull that and together and produce that, but, um, and, and to be able to teach other people, but. Just need to be led by God. But sometimes I believe when there are curses, when you're going, I'm hitting a wall, there's a ceiling that I can't break out of. You know, God God has given us keys to, to destroy those ceilings.
0: Give us one more healing testimony of a person being healed from breaking generational curses.
1: Um, the one that pops into my mind was my own sister. Um, I don't deal with generational stuff, maybe as often, even as I should in ministry. I know, I know it's a foundational thing, but we deal with so many other keys, but my sister had five vertebrae in her neck that were damaged. And she um, was facing a surgery and I had prayed for her and she allowed me to pray for her, but she didn't think it was probably rooted spiritually. And she was just like, yeah, you can pray for me. And I did. But then she felt like she got a word from God. And, you know, you pray a little more desperately when you're facing the surgery that you're. it's going to cost a lot of money and yeah. chance of losing her voice. She was a singer. So she was really crying out to the Lord and, and felt like the Lord said, I'm going to heal you, but you need to go to your brother. So we schedule a time. We're listening to God. We're praying for her. And I had a vision of a man hanging from a, a noose. And his family huddled over to the side, cursing the family that had done this. My dad had a vision of a man tied to a post being beaten. And, um, and so she repented of the sins of our forefathers back then. Went home, pulled off her neck brace, had full movement of her neck, started painting her bedroom. And when she went back to the doctor and they x-rayed her neck, they were like, the chips of disc that were pressing into your spine are gone and the doctor wrote healed on her um, um, paperwork
0: her prognosis that's amazing yeah
1: so I believe that God has
0: wasn't there something with grandma too (laughs) didn't didn't she have like the same injury or the same surgery or something like that yeah about
1: the same at the same age they had yeah I forgot that so that was one of those things like ding 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 to, to both have a surgery on the same vertebrae in the neck at the same age, one walking down the st- My mom had been walking down the stairs and you know how you slip, miss a couple of stairs and go bump, bump, bump. She had done that, caught herself still standing upright, but had damaged the, her neck doing that, Um, carrying a load of laundry. And my sister was car accidents. So... You
0: wouldn't think that that's... Yeah. You know, a spiritual thing, getting hit with a car accident doesn't seem feel like a spiritual thing.
1: Yeah. That's,
0: yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. Wow. All right. So this is a podcast that we are going to be doing every week, uh, Lord willing. And uh, we're going to be bringing on some guests. And we're going to talk about everything in the kingdom of God from generational curses. We'll have some guests come in talk about missions work. Probably going to have Philip come in, maybe Arthur Burke. So mm-hmm. you're going to want to stay tuned.
1: That's going to be great.